Morning, everyone. Welcome to the Wealthy Retailer Podcast. Here we are uh, for the week of November 5th. Just starting to get light now after switching the clocks back this weekend. Rob, how are, uh, how are you doing this morning? I'm half today, Dan. I've kind of, I've, I've had two experiences thus far. I hit the coffee drive through They asked me for a loyalty card. I didn't have it. And they said, well, have a free coffee anyways. I'm like, this is going to be a good day. Wow. I get to the studio. I get out. I got some stuff to carry. I put the coffee on top of my car. I open one door and boom, the coffee <laughs> drops. My free coffee sprayed all over the parking lot. So uh, that's awesome. I'm going to, I'll get over that and I'll try and, you know, stick my thoughts around. Uh, it's free coffee day and it's going to be a good day. Uh, is it um, is it commonplace for coffee shops to, you know, load up on the free coffee card or the loyalty card? Is that is that a new thing? Is it revisit? What's going yeah, on? Yeah, they they threw me off. They kind of I went to pay and uh, asked for the card. No, nope, sorry, don't have it. And and I don't know if there was the the car in front of me that they forgot to give the free coffee to. But uh, I'll take it. I'm not gonna lie. Nice. would have enjoyed drinking that free coffee. I'm not going to lie, Dan. I think drinking it would have been a bonus for the day. But, uh, <laughs> okay, enough about my free coffee. Uh, we got some headlines to talk about this week, Dan. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so what's going on this week? We've got uh, – I like this. Are there some opportunities for uh, retailers in the face of, fortunately, a lot of department store challenges? But, you know, what might come of that? Love this headline. Retail's dead, but uh, no one told these guys. No one told yeah. these home brands, and uh, they, they missed the memo on that front. And uh, we've talked about it a lot, and we'll keep talking about it. It's, it's a great opportunity for retailers to try new opportunities, new locations. Uh, the pop-up test drive, great little story there. Uh, going for the win. It's important that you're always going for the win, and Dan's going to share some thoughts from his 12 steps there. And uh, the mech sale, you know, Legally, all that jazz closed the sale this this uh, past week, and uh, so you know it's been a big story for a while, and and we'll keep keep chatting on that front, and you can give us your your nickel of where where the state of that is. Um, speaking of state, let's head to uh, what town are we in? Illinois, Edwardsville, I think. For Edwardsville. Our, our next story from the Riverbender.com. That's a great handle. I, I like that uh, one. Talks about a new boutique opening and uh, uh, a line in there that really jumped out for me, Dan, I, I quite enjoyed was that this gal was hoping to carry brands that uh, people see normally see at Nordstrom's or Macy's so they don't always feel like they have to go to the mall and, and that's the, the position she's taken. You took a look at this story. What were your thoughts? Well, first I had to be, you know, all transparency, had no idea where Edwardsville was. I just, you know, when I read the headline from you, I thought, yeah, this sounds like Winchesterton Fieldville, Mr. Deeds. Thanks very much on that one. Can you say that uh, one again for me? Winchesterton, Winchesterton Fieldville. That's, that's uh, impressive. <laughs> that's from the movie Deeds. I can't Mr. Say Deeds. Mr. Deeds. You gotta, you've got to have seen Sandler, Mr. Deeds. Uh, yeah, it's an Adam Sandler <laughs> flick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're Adam Sandler fans around here. So we, we've polarized <laughs> our listening audience right off the hop. No <laughs> doubt there's the half that absolutely loves Sandler and, yeah. and the half that just is This guy's off his rocker. Right. I don't yeah. want to listen to this yeah. anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So here, listen, Edwardsville, uh, little town northeast of St. Louis. Uh, and this story, you know, is going to be 
replicated over and over and over again in the next 18 to 24 months as people, these closet entrepreneurs, and I don't mean to say that, you know, this, this entrepreneur, retail entrepreneur, Tammy Carlson is her name, is a closet entrepreneur, but kind of she was, and she's come out of the proverbial closet into entrepreneur, into entrepreneurialism or entrepreneurship in realizing her dream. And she's taking this leap of faith towards what every closet entrepreneur dreams about. You know, opening their own store, being their own boss, living their own dream. And certainly she, you know, is quoted as saying, I'm hoping to carry brands that people see at places like Nordstrom's and Macy's so they don't feel like they've got to go to the mall. Well, in this case, it might mean getting in the car and driving to the mall. And our city's much the same. Yes, we have a little mall here in, you know, in St. Albert, but we're also, you know, the neighbor to the, you know, biggest mall in the world, West Edmonton Mall. Um, and, and so this independent retail store, uh, Loverly Clothing and Textiles, you got to give her a shout out. I love this. I love this brand. I love the story. I went and checked her out on Facebook and Instagram. And um, although she's been slow to the punch on social, I think I was looking at stuff this morning that was from October 30th. So retailers take note, posting four or five days ago doesn't cut it. Every single day, multiple times a day, you need to be talking to your audience. Yeah. But more about this. You know, this is this this retailer, again, her name's Tammy Carlson, deciding to open a store in her hometown where she will undoubtedly play a significant part in shaping, you know, that that community's future. That that is part of what we want to see in independent retail. And when you look across our city and there will be many new entrepreneurial businesses open up as we move through evolution. And I'm not calling this pandemic. I'm not calling this a pandemic anymore. I don't give a shit what they want to call it. Mass media or not. This is just evolution, forced evolution. We're evolving. We're changing. We're adapting. We are never going back to the way things were. We are reshaping how we will, you know, engage our audience in that in that commerce world and i love that she went back to her hometown and she's going to make a difference good honor and and uh you know they they shared a bit of her path to get there and would you say dan yeah, that yeah. we're probably going to see a lot of that too as you say like the the big more of the big companies are really being disrupted and but here here's a, a lady who she worked for bath and body nine west she she yep. took her to college she she built this pretty experienced path and now she's taking all that experience and what does she do with it she she goes you know independent retail boutique and, and yep. now i'm gonna i'm gonna really shine with it and, and probably gonna see more and more of that as, as time progresses that's uh, far yeah rob far yeah. too few you know, retail entrepreneurs launch from a place of experience and knowledge. They launch from a place of passion and they stutter step and they, you know, they tread water, they spin their tires. And this is probably a great example of someone who's going to hit the ground running. She's going to take what she learned in the big world and apply it to independent retail. Things like inventory planning, you know, Bath and Body is a fabulous you know, company at planning their merchandise forward, forecasting revenue. And we see that over and over again in their stores. You know, she's going to learn from that. And she's going to, she has learned from that. And that is probably going to put her three steps ahead of the next boutique that opens from a place of, you know, young, passion-driven action. Yep. Love it. Right on. Okay, let's uh, take that and segue into our next story, 
where uh, you know we laughed at the headline, the retail's dead, but uh, no one told these home brands. And uh, it talks about this uh, brick and mortar store, the Shade Store, which actually was originally founded as an e-commerce company. So that's interesting right. to see. And, and they, they go on to say that you probably are not going to find anyone more bullish on brick and mortar than, than these folks. They've hit on this new formula. It's based around saturating key markets with small service-oriented stores. Most are in around that 1,000 square feet uh, in high-end neighborhoods, and they're betting big on this strategy. So when, uh, what are your thoughts when you read this story, Dan? Oh, Rob, this is this speaks wealthy retail. Small and nimble was sort of a breakout inside this this article. Small and nimble. This is defined in the wealthy retailers mantra in our core values. L is for lean, lean in presentation, lean in inventory, lean in everything we do, lean in expense, lean giving us the ability to be nimble. You've heard me say this before, nimble enough to dip, dive, dodge and duck. You've got to be nimble. And these guys are saying, hey, we are going to be nimble. And the shade store, um, their, their shops are small and based around service, not product. And we've talked about this before. We have two legs to stand on and three pillars to choose from. You know, those three pillars are product, service, and price. Product, service, price. You know, am I going to focus on product and price? Yeah, then I'm going to open a huge product-ridden store. If I'm going to focus on service, I scale back on the size of my structure, my infrastructure, my presentation, and deliver better service. That's what these guys are focused on. And Home Goods erroneously continues to deliver, you know, massive showroom spaces, massive marketplaces, showcasing millions of dollars worth of product. And it takes a lot of fire to keep a lot of wood to keep that fire burning. And these guys are going to end up with probably 110 stores, you know, as we get yeah. through the next six yeah. months, 110 boutiques in communities across North America, you know, from what started, as you said, as an e-com business. And it's, it's a bit ironic that in fact, the motivation to open a brick and mortar store came from giving consumers the reassurance that they're real. Too many people are out there trying to make a dime in the e-com world, in the online world, without really investing in any infrastructure, in planning inventory, in planning demand, or forecasting what their demand is, and thinking that they can simply capture an audience by putting an ad on Facebook. You and I both know how much challenge is presented when we live in that world. Yeah. You know, here we have, you know, we started, the, the kids have started this brand or, or sorry, launched this brand in 2020 at the absolute worst time, you know, to run pop-ups and retail and, but hey, they're doing their thing. And we know how hard it is to drive traffic to our store and to get people to click and buy because they don't know what's real. There's way too much fraud out there. And, and the shade spot, here these guys yeah. are saying brick and mortar is a way for us to capture real audience. It is a medium in marketing. It's giving us a sense of realism in those communities that we want to be in. And they're going to target communities 
you know, that are affluent, that are going to continue. And I think I wrote this down so that I, you know, I made sure I said, if you're a home goods retailer, for all of those friends, the people that we love in the home goods world right now, brace yourself. This ride is only beginning. As we continue to evolve through this next 18 to 24 months, more and more time, i.e. money, will be invested in adapting our homes to be a better representation of who we are, of our personality. It'll be less about the car in the driveway and more about the lives that we live inside, yeah. including yeah. work, play, and celebration. Yeah. And that really, we as home goods retailers, we need to recognize that we're trugging up the roller coaster. We're on the early adoption side of this right now. What we've seen in the last six or eight months will pale in comparison to the business we're going to see in the next 18 months as people adapt and evolve to what you know evolution is bringing for us, this forced evolution. I look at this this uh, story and I think about, you know, you said the 100,000 square foot home store versus the 1,000 square foot store. And what goes through my head quick is is the front door is the same size on, on yeah. both of them. And do you, do you want 100 front doors or, or just one? And, yeah. and this, this new opportunity, I'll take those 100 front doors because it, it, it gives me the opportunity to tap into all these new markets that... You know the the old way of you don't have it doesn't have to be your warehouse in in the exact same same spot there right it uh, doesn't and you know for these guys they're you know they're in that window covering world and we see stores around us that have invested in beautiful showrooms not overly large not over scale you know i come from this world yeah i come from the power of the fifty thousand square feet or you know that twenty five thousand square foot sensory driven environment that we try to replicate rooms in your home to get you to buy our goods i come from that place and if i could go back in time if i could turn the clock back 20 years and go back to you know putting the shovel in the ground I would have said to to my partner in crime, Stan. You know, I, I you know the Stan and Dan show would have been all about let's open a hundred fifteen hundred square foot stores right. and showcase only the best of the best. You know, our big massive stores, while beautiful, man, they took a lot of gas to keep running, which eventually creates what you're seeing in today's retail world. The bigger they are, the quicker they're falling. Right on. If I went back in time, I just would have bought the Sports Almanac book. Marty McFly did. Nice work. <laughs> Marty didn't buy it, did he? Oh, Was right. Marty bought it? No. No, uh, no he tried to buy it. And Go ahead. Tell me the Doc, guy's name. Doc Brown <laughs> took it away from him, threw it away. And, and who picked it up? Grandpa Biff, uh, Biff Cannon, <laughs> picked it up out of the garbage, stole the time machine, went back to the future, yeah. gave it to himself, <laughs> Biff, young Biff. And ruin the world, create a hey, this works for us, uh, 40 and 50 year olds. <laughs> but when we throw out a back to the future joke, my 25 year old kids look at me like I got three heads, uh, they don't get it. They're just they're missing out, <laughs> missing out. Well, we talk about you know starting new brick and mortar is the story, the first one we had. And folks, it, if you're in that position where you know you, you've been contemplating what does that plan look like. How's that going to come together? You want to touch base with the folks from Canadian Retail Solutions. Let them help you find your cutting-edge retail solution today. Visit retailbycrs.com. Get in touch with them because they've got, like, just up to the minute, the latest point-of-sale software to merchandise intelligence, open-to-buy plans, and more. 
They are here to help. Okay, let's take her for a test drive, should we, Dan? A little pop-up story here coming uh, out of Wilkes Bar. They talk about uh, a pop-up market. And this particular one, they zeroed in on one line, and, and I thought where they're taking a little bit of an extra focus to those retailers who have been, you know, obviously hit hard more by COVID that trying to really give them a new way to, to you know, expand their operation to get into this pop-up market. Um, you love it. I know you do, but let's hear more about it. I do love it. I said, yes, love, love, love the pop-up. And this, what this pop-up is doing, what these cats have done, you know, is given opportunity to the aspiring retail entrepreneur. It's a way to kick off, test your proof of concept, you know, refine product and process before signing a long-term lease in a community. And we will continue to see more and more of this model adopted across the country. As economic development bodies inside our cities recognize, you know, we need to push to revive our local economy. And we may in fact need to assist our landlords and building owners and our vacancy rates. I mean, there's lots of city owned property that will sit vacant here as the city adapts to a new world and looks to, uh, uh, you know, spin off some of that excess space that they have and pop-ups a great way to do it. And this message is really, you know, for the landlord and the building owner, it's time to roll your sleeves up, take your goddamn hands out of your pockets, man, get to work filling your current or pending vacancies. Give this opportunity to some budding entrepreneur that will pay you a percentage of revenue rather than that building sit empty. Too many of our landlords and, and, you know, put my hand up first and foremost to say, Hey, I'm one of those guys. You know, I want the easy money. I want somebody to sign a five, three, five or 10 year lease in my space that I don't have to think about it anymore. I never had to do anything before. Right. 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 Why should I have to do it now? But this strategy needs to be adopted in strip centers and malls and vacant buildings it the only thing holding back a new budding entrepreneur is this risk that signing a five-year lease creates and you know what let's get them as much opportunity as we can hey come on in and try a three-month pop-up in this instance they're creating a holiday pop-up market and i love that you know calling all retailers we're going to host this pop-up market we're going to give you the infrastructure to come in and and Put yourself to work selling your wares, whatever that is. And we need to do more of that. And, you know, shout out to the guys at West Ed. Um, You know, they tried this a couple of years ago to do this sort of small, tiny, tiny footprint pop-up. But that was in a time when malls were running rampant with traffic. This is not about maybe converting your mall to temporary space, but perhaps more strip centers and, you know, street-facing opportunities, condos and and buildings that we can push this pop-up idea forward. And I want to run a pop-up. I mean, that that our whole strategy with the men's company was to go to pop-up before we ever went to retail, to a retail location. And that's what retail entrepreneurs need. They need that kickoff, which is a pop-up. And I think too, the, the, the narrative of supporting the local retailers is, is more powerful than ever. So it, it's handing them something that they can shout from the rooftop yeah. that, uh, hey, we're, we're doing everything we can to help local retailers. Oh, by the way, we want your feet to walk in this mall. And, and so we're giving people, you know, one more reason to 
okay, maybe we should go. It's not the giant mall. It's right. the giant mall with a whole bunch of, you know, local retailers. We can make a difference in, in there. And I think you're going to see this come. You know, listen, we all believe, we, maybe we don't all believe. Some of us believe that the Bay is destined for closure, that the Bay has run its course. You know, it's, it's century-long experience is over. Or it's pending. And if it doesn't adapt very quickly, it'll be gone. And we saw in the last couple of weeks, you know, the Bay has created now a real estate division yeah. to demise their bigger stores and to add smaller footprint stores. And this may be one of those examples where they're going to give perhaps new brands a shot, you know, in that former high trafficked space. And we want to see more and more of this. And if you're looking to do any kind of pop-up, you got to follow Stephen Brooks, the pop-up expert. Go search him out on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. This is a guy that knows his shit when it comes to pop-ups. And if I've got a question about pop-up, that's the first person I'm calling. Tell me, Dan, in your world on the POS side, what type of conversations are you having with your retailers when it comes time to, to setting up uh, what is a temporary POS yeah. system? So we're really, we're, we're floating this idea of subscription point of sale in front of them, coming up with a cloud-based, okay. you know, cost-effective solution that's robust enough to give us analytics. At the end of the day, I can't sell someone or the team can't sell someone a point of sale system that is just a cash register. We're not in that business and we'll leave that to, you know, cash register express and those guys that are experts in selling cash registers. That's not us. You know, we want to sell better retail businesses and that comes from analytics. So we're delivering a subscription based point of sale system that is very, very cost effective, very cost effective, you know, maybe less than a hundred bucks a month okay. to manage that inventory and experience and give us an open enough API that we can connect loyalty and e-com and everything else to it that we may want to. But in the pop-up world, you know, I just want to be able to walk into a store, into a space, plug in and play. And yeah. that's what we're delivering to that, you know, budding entrepreneur today. And not just budding, we're going back to some of the antiquated server-based systems and saying, you don't need to spend that kind of money right now on your point of sale system. But you also can't sacrifice the intelligence that's contained yeah. within data. And so it's got to be robust enough to give me good metrics, good data back out that I can then steer my business appropriately. Yep. And cloud is certainly in this pop-up world is the way to go. Something that's simple, simple, simple to run. Right on. Okay. Thanks for sharing that. Um, we, we talk about this almost every time, but uh, it, it's great to reinforce some of these messages. And you've got some great videos on your website, Dan, talking about different steps to retail wealth from one particular video. Um, uh, the 12 steps to retail wealth, you talk about going for the win. So why don't you explain that a little bit more for us? Yeah, we just kind of put a little fun spin on this. And, and of course, I, you know, I'm a bit of a sports guy, so it was all about going for the win. You know, what do I need to do to go for a win? But what we really mean in the idea of obtaining retail wealth or becoming this wealthy, winning and energized, admired, lean, tenacious and happy environment, it's about creating a win-win environment for you and your partner. And I have to say, there's not enough of us out there that are making our own goods. We need good partnerships. 
we are, are the independent retailer is why Patagonia is what it is today. It's why Canada Goose is one of the most revered outdoor products in the world. It's because of the independent retailer. And this going for the win is about you establishing a win-win relationship with your partner, your vendor, right. and, and not shitting on them all the time, but picking up the phone and working together to drive business forward. And in this go for the win, it's about pulling that partner closer to you, not pushing them away. Too many of us, far, far too many of us, Blame our vendors for our mistakes, our buying mistake, our merchandising mistakes, our overzealousness. We blame the goddamn vendor, and it's not their fault. We hold the pen. We sign on that dotted line. We make the commitment to sell that product, and we go into these you know, these engagements, these buying opportunities completely unprepared and buy purely on emotion, no objectivity. I get revved up and I buy like crazy. And hey, psh, put my hand up. I'm that guy. Yep. You know, this guy buys way too much. Overexcited, overzealous when it comes to buying. But that comes from a place of not being well prepared. And going for the win means that you're better prepared. You have established your desired key performance indicators, your turn, your margin, your cash flow, your sell through, all of these metrics are tied together and shared with your vendor to say, hey, this is the expectation. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all on the same page. Okay, now let's execute and measure consistently. If you're not having a conversation every single week, every single week is excess, every month with your vendor, something is wrong. Today, maybe it is more of a weekly conversation. We're seeing significant supply chain challenge. We're seeing stores today that cannot fulfill their buying requirements. And that's because they don't have good relationships. Not just because they don't have, but the stronger your relationship in a, in a, in a you know, challenged time, the more likely that vendor is to step up with you instead of you completely ignoring their phone calls, crapping all over them, complaining about their product. It's not their fault. They're just trying to do their job. Right. It's your responsibility to be a great buyer. And obviously you've seen a tremendous enough of this that you, you can boldly say like, look, just, just show a little vulnerability, talk to them about, you know, get out of a position of fear and get into like, look, this is, this is what's going on. I'm, I'm angry. I'm, I'm sad. I'm, you know, all, all these emotions yep. and, and more times than not people will, well, it's not my fault. So what, what's the closest thing to blame in it? But right. if you go down that different path, would you say, you know, what, watch and behold what, what happens when they really, they want to be part of the solution. Cause guess what? You're no good dead to them. Right now. So you, you've, they want you to survive. No. And you know what? You know, we've, we've, you've had, Scott Smith has been on our podcast. You know, he's hosted this podcast a couple of times. He's the best times. host we ever had. He's the God. best host, best, absolute <laughs> best host we've ever had. And, you know, one of the things that I learned from Scott is the appreciation for our partners. That, that man has such a well-defined love for his vendor and the vendor relationships that he's fostered for many, many years in retail and in coaching retail. And one of the greatest things, I, I think I go back to conversations with Scott and I in the early days of Scott and I getting together, it was you know his love for vendors. And I was maybe on the other side of the fence. I didn't have that immense love for my vendor. I didn't see them 
as truly a partner, but rather a vehicle for me to accomplish what I needed to accomplish. And boy, oh boy, the better partners we are to them and they are to us, the easier it is to work through challenging times. And not just challenging times, but the times that deliver great opportunity. Right. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. That was great. Really, really appreciated those, the, those thoughts. And I, uh, I don't care what business you're in. I think that's something you can take that and just, you know, reflect on that for a moment and look at those partners within your business and, and what can I do to, um, you know, better work with them? Cause right. eventually you'll, you'll be able to leverage that into, into many better things to, to help you grow. Okay, our last uh, headline this week, uh, it's an old headline, but talking about the next sale, Kingswood Capital Management uh, completed the acquisition. What, what's your thoughts on this whole story as it's uh, cruised along here? Uh, I mean, it's, it's far from told. Uh, you know, they've tapped Kingswood. Kingswood's a private equity firm. You know, they've got three or four other retail operations, uh, but they've tapped former grocery guy, Eric Kloss. Eric Kloss comes from you know, save, save, saves, save plus or something like that uh, in grocery, not my world. I'm sorry. I don't, I, I, you know, I can't think of, but he's paying, they've, they've tapped this Eric Kloss to lead the go forward for, for Mech. Um, and, you know, they're reportedly going to hold on to 21 stores, meaning they're only going to let one go with plans to hire back 85% of their employees. Great. Great. Good on them. I love that that's their presentation today, but I'll say this, you know, having spent the better part of the last, you know, 30 years in retail, I've never, ever, ever, rarely, I shouldn't say never, ever, I've rarely seen an investment company, private equity investment company, roll in and do a great job of taking a retail operation from bankruptcy to profitable without first burning it to the ground. And I think that that's what we're going to see here. Yeah. You know, I don't think this is going to be any different. I think we're going to see mech burned right to the ground before they, you know, rise from the ashes. And there's more story to be told with this, with, with, with Kingswood, you know, and, and this, this company, they have taken on other retail operations. You know, they've got wave electronics, 17 locations in the U S uh, avid, had two locations, Toronto and Calgary, sort of in that home girls were home goods world. They've got auto anything that's a completely online uh, uh, or e-com automotive supply company. And I think we're going to have to revisit the new MEC in the coming six right. months and see, you know, what, what has happened and whether or not they were able to pull, you know, these brands that are very, very cult driven, very connected, the Patagonias and, and, you know, Fjall Raven and Rob. I mean, there's just so many, so many of these great brands that are burned in this experience. You know, they've got to be able to rebuild those relationships. And I certainly hope, you know, that, um, you know, that, that, that Eric is the guy to do that for them. Um, I, I don't know. Let's look at this in six months and see what really comes of it. Yeah. Because hiring back 85% of my staff in, in Canada, where, you know, if you look across the country at what's happening right now, you know, Ontario just launched a new six or is launching a new six tiered plan that does in fact include, you know, more traditional lockdowns that we saw this year. And, and that can't be healthy for our outdoor business. They're not going to be right you know, in that same position. So let's wait and see what happens in six months on this. There's yeah. lots more to be told. Yeah. And I think Kingswood, their intentions are, are pure. They've tapped a retail guy, although, you know, grocery, he's still a retail guy. Um, 
you know, and I, I hope he has that ability to, to build, rebuild those relationships that I think are maybe, maybe a bit damaged right now. Yep. Well, they talked lots in the past about this, this purchase being so data driven, right? And I, I guess we'll find out when the members start getting uh, car fires yeah, in their mail. If you read uh, sort of the, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you read sort of the qualifications to, to, you know, to be presented to this equity, private equity firm, and first and foremost, it's having data, you know, you got to have data. It's a data driven purchase. You know, you've got to, you know, have a negative EBITDA, you know, to really get them excited, <laughs> which means you've got to be near bankrupt. <laughs> Otherwise they're not really interested. And that's, that's what a lot of equity firms are all about. Let's take somebody from near ashes and either tear it apart or rebuild it or tear it apart and then rebuild it or piecemeal it off. And yep. we'll see what these guys do again. You know, they've, they've got a proven success for them. They've got four or five other retail programs running out there. So let's, you know, let's, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. hundred percent. Speaking of coming from the ashes uh, in the newsletter this week, we're going to have a link to another story that uh, I quite enjoyed. There was a big chain that recently went down and a, uh, an entrepreneur has stepped up and it's uh, it sounds like a pretty good from the ashes story. So we'll yeah. have the link in the newsletter. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to head to retail by CRS.com sign up for the newsletter. We'll have the links to all the stories we discussed today. In addition, a few more stories, just like that uh, from the ashes uh, one, there's also a story about uh, I think it'll be good, you know, for retail owners, managers, just ways they can better free up their time in working with their team. There's a good story in there. A story about a collective in Cleveland, uh, about 40 shops who've come together offering a gift certificate sale. That was pretty interesting to read. You'll probably enjoy that. And, uh, you know, we think of, uh, you know, the, the video surveillance, you know, from a security basis, but there's a good story really talking about, you know, Dan, you talked about analytics and how analytics is really reaching into that, that surveillance technology, artificial intelligence, and how it's helping retailers uh, now and into the future. So uh, yeah, lots, lots of great stories to check out there. Good one this week. Yeah, yeah, really good. Guys, listen, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, truly appreciate it. Leave your comments. H hit up the Wealthy Retailer on your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe, leave a comment, share it, and absolutely head over to retailbycrs.com and sign up for the, for the weekly newsletter. You'll get this podcast plus all the other stories we talk about and maybe a few other good little nuggets that, you know, that we, we share every single week. So, yeah, Rob, great. Better week than I thought. I promise to be a bit better next week, but it's built purely on being able to drink my free coffee. Drink your free I'll coffee. I'll even pay for that coffee, but uh, I was lacking a coffee this morning. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Have a great day. Have an awesome day.